Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. This is an up-close look at the students, faculty, and administrators who make your college unique. This weekly show shines a spotlight on the programs and people here at YCP. This week's host is Jeffrey Schiffman. Welcome to WVYC's Perspective, and today we're going to be talking with Ed Luce. Ed is an award-winning artist, probably best known for his graphic novel and comic uh, called Wovable Oaf. We're going to get into that. Uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you coming by. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, as we were talking before this, I, I haven't been in a radio station in quite a while since my college days, so I really uh, enjoyed this opportunity. Well, you know, uh, it's magical sometimes, uh, but it's great to always also have someone that's come in that kind of recognizes a few things at a radio station. Mm-hmm. We love that. All right, let's, t- let's talk about your journey to, to where we are today. Uh, where you're a pretty renowned artist. Uh, you know, you may not think of yourself that way, but you are. Um, you know, when you have a Wikipedia page, you know you're, you've made it, right? For sure, yeah. <laughs> and a Wikipedia page that you, did, you didn't put up yourself oh, uh, on even the better. down low. Yeah, I was really shocked to see that emerge. And one for Wovable Oaf, but also for, uh, one for me as a, an individual artist. So. All right. So have you always been an artist wanted to be an artist is that something that, that that's on your landscape right yeah i was really lucky to have parents who supported my sort of early artistic talents uh, i always say that my parents put a pencil in my hand as soon as i could hold it and and kept it there uh, and really supported it i think my father uh, was also had artistic leanings but his parents didn't really support that so i feel really lucky i drew my entire life and in particular was really interested in comics and uh more mainstream marvel and dc types uh, but when I, it was time for me to go to college as an illustration major, that was very much frowned upon, at least uh, in the mid-90s. My professors, for better or worse, were kind of discouraging me from drawing in that stylized way. So I shifted more into illustration for magazines and, and uh, things of, of that nature, uh, book covers, spot illustrations for newspapers. So that was what I was formally trained in. Uh, ultimately, then, when I went on to become a teacher, I started to kind of repeat that, um, well, let's put the comics away and draw more from a re- representational place. Uh, but my love of comics kind of came screaming back uh, once I moved to San Francisco, uh, which is where I'm currently living, and saw what a great comics community and culture was there. And I said, well, I've got the tools to do this, you know, uh, technique-wise. I'd never done it before, but let me give it a try. And that's really the kind of starting point of the, the whole OAF enterprise. Let's talk a little bit about comics. They, they, there's been a real, obviously, resurgence, most of it fueled by all of the movies and all that sort of stuff, but it certainly has had some, some you know, has helped other people who wanted to get into that. They, were, they go, oh, comics, oh, you know, you know, when I was a kid, nobody was talking about doing comics, but now uh, there are kids that are interested in illustration, doing all that sort of stuff. So what have you seen? What's that genesis been? Yeah, I mean, again, as you said, uh, especially with the Marvel movies and, and maybe to a lesser degree, the DC movies, the comics just have that visibility. People understand that that's the, the source of it, uh, even if what they see on the screen is this, you know, fireworks display version <laughs> of it. But I think a lot of the indie cartoonists that I'm, the, that's the world that I'm kind of coming from, in particular, Alison Bechdel and Fun Home, um, seeing that kind of go mainstream and actually get turned into a musical, a right. Broadway musical. Yeah. Uh, that has spoken to a lot of people who maybe couldn't relate so much to the mainstream version, superhero version of things, the personal type of storytelling that goes on. Uh, and that can be directly autobiographical. It can be coming from a memoir place like Allison's work does. Uh, but it also opened the door for, uh, m- you know, maybe more rarefied or, or exaggerated versions. I always call Wubble Oaf. It's an exaggerated memoir. It's kind of coming from a place of truth and there are kernels of truth in it. But I myself am not that exciting a person. I haven't lived that kind of story, storied life. Um, 
that I, I exaggerate things, uh, and the characters in there are, are based on me and, and some of my friends. Um, but I think that that personal place, realizing that comics can be a medium to tell these very personal stories, is something that a lot of books like Fun Home have uh, blown open to a mainstream audience. And people, you know, enjoy the accessibility of how those those types of comics are drawn. They don't have to be these, you know, blockbuster uh, examples of, of technical drawing. They can be coming from a much more personal, you know, kind of indie homegrown place. And even people that have just a passing interest in doodling actually can convert those doodles into comics. So that accessibility has been really important for me to kind of see. I'm trying to think of other examples. I mean, you see uh, on Netflix a lot of comics being adapted mm. into uh, short form series or, or films. And they're indie um, because people really want to see that. They've, they've been there and done that with the superhero stuff. They're ready for more personal stories. So that's uh, definitely where I'm coming from. All right. Let's talk about Wubble Both, <laughs> which, which is spelled W-U-V-A-B-L-E-O-F. O-A-F. Uh, he is a interesting character. When you first, how did that come about? Uh, it's interesting. So I moved from uh, a small town, uh, sort of more inland in uh, the Bay Area, uh, Davis, California, okay. to San Francisco. And, uh, you know, that's a, a, a city that has historically had a large gay population, increasingly a, a more queer LGBTQ population. There's a lot of diversity right. in that um, community now. Uh, but it is the, sort of the birthplace, and this might be a controversial statement, but I'm going to go ahead and make go it, ahead. of the bear community. Um, and for those that okay. are uninitiated about what a bear is, uh, it's becoming more mainstream. And actually, in one of the classes I just visited here on campus, uh, I put that word out there and a bunch of people raised their hands that they were familiar with it. A bear is a sort of um, larger, more hirsute, perhaps bearded gay man who uh, maybe, and I want to avoid generalizations or stereotypes, but is a little different from what people might associate with with mainstream queer culture, gay, okay. gay male sure. culture in Absolutely. particular. It's a slightly different body type. Uh, so uh, I have always kind of run in those circles, and, and that's been a, a culture that I've been attracted to. So when it came time to make a comic, I had a lot of fodder for, uh, or material, people that I knew, situations that I had been in, uh, I decided, well, let me make a comic. And it wasn't that there weren't uh, comics already out there, especially in the the indie queer comics community, uh, that didn't cover some of that ground, specifically the bear community, but maybe not in the way that I had chosen to kind of put it forward. Um, basically, you know, I, I visited a, a queer comics booth at uh, the Alternative Press Expo in, in uh, San Francisco. Uh, the Prism Booth is is the name of the organization, and they're a nonprofit group that supports LGBTQ uh, comic creators in, in particular. And I was very excited to see that. I had no idea that that there was uh, such a, a tightly formed organization that supported queer cartoonists. Uh, and I was excited to see the diversity of work that was there. Alison Bechtel's work, uh, early work, Dykes to Watch Out For, was was certainly there. And I had met a, just a whole bunch of great uh, cartoonists who opened my eyes to what was possible. But I didn't quite see the story I wanted to read. Okay. And I think that that's a great place to create art from, is make the thing that you want to see in the world. So... Uh, in particular, me being kind of a smaller person and not fitting the bear profile, I had a lot of interesting stories and anecdotes to tell about interacting with these larger guys, just hanging out okay. with them even socially. Um, so the, a lot of the material from the book kind of comes from that. And the, the titular character, Wovable Oaf, is kind of a, a hybrid of a lot of my friends. Um, he's also a bit me. Uh, he is the, the boy that my mama raised. I'm, I'm kind of a mama's boy. So he's that p polite character. 
Um, there is also another character in the book that ends up being his love interest that is more physically based on me, um, the character of Eiffel. And he's kind of all of my negative personality traits contained in one person. <laughs> nice. So the, the structure of the book is they kind of go out on, on the date from hell. Um, and when they get together at the end of the book, I kind of view it as this sort of weird self-portrait version of myself, the two sides of my personality um, represented. Um, but it's also a platform for me to talk about all of my passions and my loves. Cats figure very prominently into it. <laughs> heavy metal music, wrestling, fashion. I really look at it as kind of this sprawling uh, world in the vein of The Simpsons or South Park or something like that, where there's a large cast of characters and I can use them to talk about the subjects that I'm most interested in. We are talking with Ed Lucy. Is an, uh, how would you, would you describe yourself as an artist? As a comic, you know, comic artist, how do you describe yourself? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you've seen the book, you know I'm not a huge fan of labels. And in particular, when people ask me that this very question, I, I, I own it. I often say I'm a comic book artist. Okay, all right. Um, a lot of people like cartoonist, graphic novelist, and I think both of those terms are great, and, and people should embrace the ones that they're most comfortable with. But I, I really want to put that... It, it's a comic book, you know. So that's I, I on your so that's on your business card. Uh, not so much. Uh, that that is it's mostly my social media these oh, okay. days. You know, you have to have thirty different social media platforms yes. put on and, there. and and attend to them all yeah. the time. You know, don't get me wrong. I embrace whatever people want to call me, but when it, 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 the opportunity arises, I always put the the comic book artist thing okay. forward. But really, uh, a lot of my my work starts and ends with the comic itself. But uh, one of the things that I I am really uh, invested in talking about is. I'm, I'm multimedia in the sense that I do T-shirts. Uh, there's been music because there's a band in the comic. Yeah, that I have to ask you about that. Yeah, I've had recorded uh, as though in that kind of classic uh, Gorillaz way or Gem and the Holograms uh, from the 80s was a huge influence. I have these two competing bands that I can have music made uh, by my musician friends that kind of emulate who those characters are. I've done scratch and sniff cards. Uh, I've done dolls and figures in a collaboration with a Phoenix-based artist, uh, sculptor Eric Erspammer. Um, so, yeah, I really have kind of envisioned it. And that's part of my education, too. Uh, my MFA degree is in painting and installation and performance, believe it or not. So <laughs> a lot of the diversifying of how I express my ideas through these different mediums kind of came from that that background as well. Do you when when you're working on 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 something, are you thinking multimedia or are you thinking, OK, I got to do the and then we'll do the multimedia afterward? Or, or is there kind of a combination I think it always, as I said, it does start first with the comic and I, you know, I just, I explore the ground that I want to cover. And then in the hindsight, I kind of look at, well, what could I bring from this two dimensional world into our reality, into our three dimensional world? And I often say that I, I tried to expand all of the senses, you know, obviously it's a visual medium, but I wanted to get something uh, sonic, you know, I want, I wanted you to actually be able to hear the comic to some degree. Um, the scratch and sniff cards were sort of these personal sense of the individual characters. So it gets really visceral and kind of tactile with that. That must have um, been fun to try and figure out. Yeah, so I just kind of look at what's being put forth in the comic. And often, uh, as I said, Eric, my, my sculpting collaborator, I just let him kind of do whatever he wants. So he comes up with a lot of the, the characters he chooses to adapt into figures. He's made little uh, decoder rings for me for some of the characters because there is a wrestling contingent <laughs> involved in it or a wrestling storyline. So that opens up the possibility for merchandising that's linked to that. So, and and the exhibit and by the way, uh, your work will be exhibited here at uh, your college through uh, November twenty second. So please go over to Wolf Hall, uh, the Brosman Gallery, and take a look at it. Fantastic stuff, and 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 I I fortunately I get to get a preview of a lot of this. Oh, stuff, excellent! Which is great. Um, it's ten years. Uh, does is Wolf going to become a teenager? 
uh, actually, he st- we when it comes in, uh, it comes into him sort of around my age. I oh, okay, say. all right. But sure. I do. Uh, it's interesting you should ask that because you know I did want to represent where he was kind of coming from, and there is a flashback, or there are short story flashbacks occasionally where <laughs> you actually get to see him uh, emerge from the womb. And uh, he's no, a character, okay. as I said, who's covered in hair. He emerges from the womb fully covered in hair with a goatee. <laughs> and as a result, his parents kind of uh, reject him and, and put him up for adoption. And he gets oh, adopted. So, by, he has a, so he has a backstory. He does. He gets uh, uh, adopted by uh, little Papa, who is his, his adoptive father. Uh, and we see him kind of throughout in flashes his teenage years where he's kind of coming to grips with his sexuality. He realizes, uh, I think, initially that he's... Uh, attracted to Phil Collins, uh, the the '80s musician. Okay, uh, well, and there's a comic where he he sort of declares he's gay for Phil Collins, and uh, he's a an avowed metalhead at that point. So okay. he's coming out not only uh, in terms of his sexuality, but liking a type of music that's not that's really compatible not yet with, fit the, right. with heavy metal. Yeah. So when we the main storyline kind of picks up, he's I would say you know roughly my age in his early 40s. Is is uh, this character? Are you going to continue the story? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always say... You don't see an end to it. No. I mean, I I really want to kind of treat it like a lot of uh, long-running uh, cartoonists have with their characters, especially the Hernandez brothers, uh, Jaime and, and Gilbert, have been huge influence on me. And Love and Rockets, they have explored those characters for decades now, and, and you get to see them grow and, and mature. So that is something that I'm really invested in. I have been doing it for 10 years, and the story is maybe moving a little bit more slowly than than Love and Rockets has, but uh, you are seeing the, the growth of the characters and they're reacting to, you know, things that are happening in the real world as well. So it is kind of like The Simpsons in that they cheat time. Um, <laughs> they, they don't really grow or age, but they do react to kind of what's going on around them. So I do, I intend to keep it going for as long as I can. Okay, uh, other works, do you do you have like side projects? Sure, I mean, the Oaf uh, comic itself, the graphic novels that I, I predominantly publish through Fanographics, uh, that is one tangent of my work, but... Uh, because that got so much attention, that was uh, enabled me to to do a lot of freelance work that uh, got me to explore maybe still within the realm of Lovable Oaf, but different corners of it. So uh, I actually was able to adapt the character into a sort of future sci-fi genre and did a couple stories for Heavy Metal Magazine, that sort of venerable, uh, fancy sci-fi uh, series, anthology series that sort of has a reputation of being exploitive, especially of women in their their imagery. Uh, Grant Morrison, who's a well-known uh, Marvel and DC writer, became an editor of Heavy Metal for a while, and he's a fan of my work. So in a way, uh, to sort of queer the traditional story that happens in Heavy Metal, he asked me to do a couple stories from from that perspective. So a little bit more male nudity, maybe, than uh, you typically see in that publication, but it fit in really seamlessly and got a really positive response. I also do a lot of variant covers for uh, established companies like Image, Oni Press, IDW, and in fact, some of the uh, my more controversial work kind of exists in that that freelance stuff. I did an official licensed GI Joe cover a couple of years ago. Wow, what that, was that like? That must a, have been so corporate compared to what you normally do. You have no idea, <laughs> and I'll try and keep it as short as possible. But you know, I was I was commissioned to do it uh, by Aubrey Citizen, who was the writer of GI Joe at the time, um, a good friend of mine and a huge supporter of my work, and. He wanted me to do a variant cover that was me doing me. He was very excited to see me draw one character in particular, uh, Gung Ho, who's a, a, a Marine, a bare-chested Marine. He thought I could do a really <laughs> great job with that. And what I ended up putting forward was a, you know, a kind of sexier version of what you might see in G.I. Joe. It wasn't explicitly homoerotic. It was still kind of a fight scene. But, you know, I, I put them in their older costumes that I was familiar with from my childhood. They had a little bit more body hair than you might see on an action figure. 
And uh, boy, uh, well, I should say Logo, um, their new Next Now website picked up the story. Then Huffington Post picked up the story. And then the you Daily... Went, you went, learned about going viral, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and then uh, the Daily Caller, which is Tucker Carlson, right? the Fox yes. News personalities website, picked it <laughs> up, but put the spin on it, like, look what they're doing to our G.I. Joe kind right. of a thing. And I got a little bit of uh, pushback on that online, but I didn't feed into it the way that I think sometimes people can kind of fall into the controversy. Absolutely. Yeah, um, but it was really gratifying for me. It got a huge response. Um, people and a positive response right and, and as an artist that's what you want you want people to see your work i Absolutely, mean yeah. if nobody sees your work then you become a starving artist <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so I, yeah i enjoy doing those those sort of more freelance things but i always say that you know i'm committed to to uh, fitting most of my ideas uh coming in, uh, from the perspective of the lovable world so um, a little bit of the one-off things i've done have have been more like that um and again it's it's been gratifying for me to to work on something like heavy metal or gi joe because i love those things as a as an adolescent um, so be able to kind of come around full circle in my career to create for them when I was a, a fan um, has been really exciting. Ed Luce, want to thank you for um, coming and spending some time with us. The, you can see Ed's work in the Brosman Gallery in Wolf Hall through November 22nd. It's free. It is spectacular. You're going to go in there and fall in love thank with the Wolf so Ball. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. Thanks for joining us for WVYC's Perspectives. The program airs weekly on Mondays and Fridays at 9 o'clock. Public Affairs program is also available as a podcast at wvyc.podbean.com. Jeffrey Schiffman serves as the Executive Director of Perspectives. We hope you join us again for this in-depth look at the York College community.